welcome back to For the Boys, a podcast for the boys, by the boys. Now today I have a special episode. I have a discussion here with Christian Lopez. He hosts his own podcast called Behind the Masculinity, where he talks about very similar topics. And I'm really lucky that he took time out of his day to really sit down and talk with me about how he sees masculinity. Now in this episode, we talk a lot about different issues and kind of graze over them. But our main, main topic here was about masculinity and what it really means to be a man. I hope you all enjoy the discussion with Christian and I. What's up, Aiden? Hey, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Sweet, man. Nice nice mic setup, man. Damn, it's a much better setup than I got. <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? Uh, I'm 16, actually. 16? What? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks. That's, yeah. that's awesome, man. That's awesome that you're, uh, that you're talking about this stuff at such an early age, man. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, something that's, you know, always really affected me even since I was younger. And I always kind of known that I want to do something uh, with people or with speaking. So I thought, yeah, I might as well start something now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. I mean, this is this is something that I didn't get into until like, until fairly recently, like a few years back. And, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with speaking. Like I, be, I um, you ever heard of Toastmasters? Uh, no. So Toastmasters is, uh, there's probably some some uh, some clubs up, up where you're at, but close, Toastmasters is this uh, public speaking organization, like a worldwide kind of nonprofit organization. They've been around for forever for a bunch of years cool. and um and yeah you can just join and you can work on your you can practice your public speaking so uh oh, that's, really yeah, cool. that's, that's something that i just recently got into as well because you know somebody had um somebody had rec- recommended it to me for a job that i was applying for mm-hmm. and they were like yeah it's a good way to practice your your interview skills so i joined and after i joined for about a month i was like man i really enjoy this and i never would have thought i'd enjoy speaking in front of people and talking about like kind of, kind of talking about this subject about men and, and masculinity and stuff like that. And I ended up staying on for two years and was a member of that for two years. So, and then, like I said, I never, I don't think I ever had a fear of public speaking, but when I joined there, I realized like, man, this is not, this is not as easy as it seems. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, I'm adding that to my bookmarks. That sounds like, yeah, really for fun. sure, man. Toast, <laughs> Toastmasters group in your, in your area, I would, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. it sounds really fun actually. Like I was um, planning on taking uh, philosophy this year in my school just because nice. I wanted a class to uh, talk about and debate and really uh, harness my uh, public speaking abilities. So that sounds perfect, awesome. honestly. Awesome, man. Yeah. Another thing, man, it's uh, philosophy is something that, you know, I used to hear about philosophy and, and think to myself, like, like, what's so cool about philosophy? Like, what, mm-hmm. who would go to college and, like, study philosophy? But now that I've been you know, I've been doing a lot of work on myself and uh, stoicism is a philosophy that I've been reading into a lot for the past few years. And I'm like, now like uh, philosophy totally like turns me on. And like, I'm like, man, philosophy is great. It's great to just have conversations like this of what, what the meaning of life is to everybody and, and hear yeah, everybody's sure. different perspectives and, and, and opinions and beliefs and stuff and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm a big fan of philosophy too. Yeah. I've always just always found really interesting, you know, uh, what people think about, uh, about certain subjects, what different kind of a uh, point of views everyone has, you know, about mm-hmm. if it's whether it be uh, about uh, life, about uh, a certain topic, just so many different things and seeing kind of how everyone thinks of either really similar things or really different things. All, it always comes together and it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's, what's great about like doing podcasts and having guests on yeah. is you can, <laughs> is you can have these, these deep conversations with, with people and just, I don't know. I just love having these conversations because everybody sees the world a little bit differently, exactly, you know, and yeah. you can always, you can always learn something from somebody or you can always, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody. They might say one little sentence that's, that piques your interest. And that one little sentence just makes you like, look, like I, we were just talking about Toastmasters. Yeah, you might join and, you know, it might <laughs> tremendously help you in your in your life. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. 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 There's just so many different uh, really cool things about, I don't know, philosophy and uh, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, I don't know. It's just always been something that interested me. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So what, uh, what, uh, what urged you to, to start this podcast or start this uh, work that you're doing? Uh, so firstly, quarantine, you know, being stuck at home. Yeah. I I also, in my family, uh, I have some members in my family that are more like more prone, you know, uh, Corona would be more dangerous to them. Right. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I was, I was had a much stricter lockdown. You know, I wasn't able to meet mm-hmm. friends till about like two months ago. And I only started going out to like, uh, even going out to buy like the groceries. And we only started mm-hmm. going like two months ago before we'd have it all delivered. Uh, so I was like, okay, clearly gonna be something pretty long-term. I'm mm-hmm. going to be bored out of my mind doing mm-hmm. nothing all summer. Cause I'm very much someone that has to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? 
I just try to think of ways that I can do stuff uh, that'll help me, you know, or that just I can uh, really use my creativity and really uh, focus on things that I enjoy. Awesome. And then I started, started thinking and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do that, you know. Uh, and then I finally came, you know, I feel like a podcast could be a fun thing because mm-hmm. I always had a love for speaking. I've, I have many opinions. And so then the only problem was then trying to think, figure out what kind of podcast I wanted to make. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something within, uh, my friend group, a lot of times, like people come to me when they like, they need uh, help or when they have issues. Cause, uh, I really like to like, just help people, you know, follow through with their issues, like whatever, uh, try to help them as much as possible, you know, so mm-hmm. the problem obviously goes away. And I started thinking of ways I can incorporate that. And at first I thought of doing something just completely like a quote unquote called like a teenager therapy or something where it's like, mm-hmm. I'd help only teens. But then I saw that exact thing actually already exists. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if it already exists, it's best to try to think of something, you know, yeah. and I kept trying to go and go and go until I found there's not really one that is catered towards men and teens, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I came up with this. And then I also uh, thought of another idea and I couldn't really choose between the two. So I just said, you know what, I'm just gonna do both. Nice. Uh, so then I have another one, which is like uh, getting like the uh, a roundup of uh, everything entertainment related and mm-hmm. going like quick fire, like one, two, three, four. So saying like everything that happened in the week within like th- four or five minutes, oh, trying okay. to get it. So gotcha. it's easy. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's uh, more of a, which... more, that's more a fun one then? <laughs> I mean, to me, both are really fun. Yeah. Uh, but that one I would say is probably easier because I mainly just spend time, you know, finding the information, whereas this mm-hmm. one, it's more actually having to think about it and like really yeah. get through everything. Yeah. Cool, man. I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. Same, same thing for me. Um, this is, uh, you know, this podcast is, I, I, or I started my podcast uh, about a year ago, about a year and a, and a month ago, back in July of uh, 2019. And, you know, I was, I was cranking out maybe like one episode a week and, you know, kind of finding time to record, you know, when I wasn't working or throughout the day or whatever. But ever since quarantine hit, it's given me a lot more time to focus on it even more, you know, to really network and to really connect with people and, and find guests and, and do episodes and edit and all that stuff. And, and yeah, same thing for me. Like, you know, the quarantine hit, I lost my job pretty early and I'm like, I, I just can't sit home and watch TV and do nothing. Like I have to be doing something productive. You know, I have to feel like I'm contributing to something in some way. So yeah, it's, it's same for me. It's given me a lot of time to, to work on the podcast, to reach out, to network and to, to grow my audience and do the things, you know, that I need to do to make, to make the show even better. So, so yeah, I feel you on that too, man. It's been a, it's been a time for me where, you know, a lot of people might be just sitting at home bored doing nothing. I'm like the opposite. I feel like I've been working more now than I did when I was actually, you know, had a nine to five job. No, yeah, for sure. I feel like it's allowed a lot of people to kind of have their uh, almost like a, an awakening call, you know, like, mm-hmm. this is a, a time where you see, you know, maybe a lot of things can change, you know, I don't necessarily have to do this, what I've been thinking my entire life. Now I have finally time to, you know, sit with myself and think. And I feel yeah. like it's really allowed a bunch of people to, you know, change aspects about themselves, no matter what it'd be. Yeah, it's true, man. It's true. Yeah. Like this, look, it sucks. It sucks for, for the world. It sucks for, for everybody individually. But, you know, some people take shitty situations and, and turn them, you know, see the, see the good in it or see the, the opportunity in it, in it. And some people just, you know, just sit back and wait for things to get better. So I'm glad to, glad to hear that you're on that side as well. You know, taking this and, and making it the best opportunity that you can for you. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I found it all really uh, inspiring and honestly a bit fun. Yeah, it is, man. It is fun. I, I mean, yeah. I knew, you know, I had the idea to do a podcast like before I, before I started my podcast last year. Um, I had thought about it prob- probably like a year prior because I'd already started to kind of like put out some blog posts and really start to open up and really start to share a lot of things about myself in a very vulnerable way. And, you know, I found that people really enjoyed it. I found that people were really connecting with it and people were reaching out to me and saying like, hey, thank you for thank you for sharing this stuff. So I, you know, I have like you, like, I'm just, I'm curious and I, and I, and I love to speak. And even though I was having a lot of fun doing the, doing the blog post, I feel like sometimes there's so many thoughts going on in my mind that I can't write or type fast enough to get all those thoughts out. So I was just like, Oh, what about a podcast? I think that would be really fun. But you know, I was still surrounded by the fears of like, you know, who would listen and is anybody going to pay attention? Is it going to, is it going to be a success? All this stuff. So it took me about a year before I actually started to do it until one day I was just like, all right, this is, this isn't going to just happen unless I put in the work. So I was just like, Hey Google, how do I, how do I start a podcast? And just, and just went from there. And man, I, and I, I I knew I would like it, or at least I thought that I would enjoy it, but I've enjoyed it a lot more than, than I even thought I would like just 
not just the the speaking part, but the the connecting and the networking and just meeting different people. Like it's it's been a really fun adventure. Oh, for sure. No, I yeah. 100% agree. I, I didn't think I'd be enjoying it as much as I really am. You know, like awesome. I, I I would also say, yeah, the hardest part for sure, especially with this one is uh, allowing yourself to be in such a vulnerable state and mm-hmm. sharing it out with everyone in the world. You know, like anyone can just find this and then they really do see you in your most vulnerable state, which that yeah. would, that is for sure the hardest part. But I also think it's one of the most important parts because without that, if everyone were to stay kind of connected into their own bubble and everyone, no one really tries to expand, then we're always going to stay as society. We're just always going to be like in this small mm-hmm. bubble. The more yep. people talk about these issues and the more people really uh, let themselves be vulnerable, especially in like public places, it starts to literally small and small and small steps. It goes out and out and out until it finally, you know, like everyone kind of has awareness to these uh, exactly different topics. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the, that's the key word too, is awareness, you know, building that awareness first you know, within ourselves, within our communities of like, if you're not aware that these things are going on, or these problems are occurring, or you have these, these fears or these insecurities inside of you, then you're never going to do the work to try to overcome them, or you're never going to try to do uh, do the work to try to improve. But yeah, it definitely starts with that awareness for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also saw that you used to be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you, you got drafted onto the Blue Jays, uh, our home team here. Uh, no, the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, the Bay. The, Wait, yeah, the Rays, the Rays. Yeah. But oh, I did. I did spend a lot of time in the minor leagues playing against the Blue Jays. Oh, so you played against the Blue Jays. I, I read yeah. somewhere Blue Jays. I thought it was you drafted. Okay, well, still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, drafted, <laughs> drafted by the Rays. But yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our minor league teams, uh, the Blue Jays were were in a lot of those leagues as well. So yeah, I spent a lot of time playing against the Blue Jays for sure. Yeah. Was it fun yeah. uh, being like a? Oh hell yeah, man! Oh, it was the greatest time of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I was drafted out of high school and. It was my dream, man. It was my dream since I was a kid. You know, that's all I ever wanted to do since I was a kid. So I got to live that dream for 10 years. You know, I didn't make it to the major leagues where I wanted to get, but I mean, I was played, I played for nearly a decade. So, so I was, I was pretty lucky, man. And yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it did never felt, never felt like work to me, you know, yeah. never felt like work. It, it was, I was just, I felt so lucky to put on that uniform every day. Like, you know, a lot of people have to get up to their alarm clock and, and, get out of bed all groggy and stuff I'm like ah, I gotta go into work today like I would wake up you know whatever time I wanted you know and just be like man I get to go to the ballpark today all right <laughs> yeah so it was great man it was one of the, some of the best times of my life yeah it's uh something that I mean I've never really been the biggest into sports I've biggest sport I've always been into soccer you know mm-hmm. uh, even though baseball is such a big thing in Toronto especially yeah uh but I don't know I always find it interesting like uh I like I've come actually from like more of a drama background you know so I am currently in, like a arts high school for drama and mm-hmm. for like uh three years before high school I was in my local theater program and all that uh and I always grew up with like kind of I guess being on stage right rather than mm-hmm. really being into sports so they're two different things um I don't know it's just always again just cool to see all these different yeah. point of views yeah it's funny because when when my baseball career came to an end um I had no idea what I wanted to do you know I, baseball was it that's all I ever wanted to do with my life. And when that came to an end, I had to like figure it out. I'm like, man, who, who am I? What do I want to do? And I actually moved out to Los Angeles thinking I wanted to be a, a Hollywood movie star. So, so yeah, I spent a little time in that, in that, uh, in that arena as well, in the, in the acting world, going to acting classes and auditions and, and all that stuff. But, but that only lasted for a couple of years until I realized like, ah, this isn't really what I wanted to do. I did it, did it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. That's a, it's a really hard place to get into if, uh, if it's something you really want to do, obviously it's worth yeah. it. But it's a hard place in general to like. Really for sure, for sure. But for somebody like in. you, like you're you're in drama and you're in theater and all that stuff yeah. at a very <laughs> at a very early age. You know, I I never took drama or, or theater or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just you know I did it because I needed a way to fulfill my ego. I needed a way to try to be rich and famous and to try to do something that I knew people would see me and you know think good, think well of me. You know, so that's that's why I chose acting. It was purely just ego driven. Right. And a lot of a lot of problems, honestly, to this day, I feel like a lot of people have issues because they're so dependent on their egos and they're they mm-hmm. keep trying to feed their egos when they don't really like sit back and really listen to what not only their ego is telling them, but also their mind, like what they really yeah. want to do. And I feel like if uh, more people were to really uh, kind of go towards what they truly want to do instead of mm-hmm. listen to their ego, their ego will actually be more satisfied in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But but yeah, that's. Unfortunately, that's that's a way that I don't know how it is in in Canada, but here in the U.S., I feel like so much is is ego driven, driven, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, everything you see on TV and movies to the commercials, 
you know, it's all about like, you know, making yourself better, look better, making yourself look, you know, your body look better, making yourself look better than the person next to you and, and making you feel like you're not enough. So you need to buy this product or you need to, you know, take this vacation or you need to do this or you need to do that. So many, so much of it is, is ego driven. Unfortunately. No, yeah. I 100% agree. Like, especially like you see all like the billboards of like, you know, the really, the really tall, lean, strong men with like the six pack abs mm-hmm. that like you can only dream of ever getting exactly, exactly. with like the American Eagle jeans on. And then it's mm-hmm. always plaster. It's like made with like a, a beer bottle. And, like this is what it is to be a man. And then, uh, you know, people yeah. only see this and they're like, well, that's what I want to be, even though time it would take firstly to get to that place. And also how realistic it would be for every single person to get exactly. to that. It, just, it isn't. Exactly. And I think that's what sets us up for, you know, a lot of the stuff that it seems like you want to talk about on your podcast. A lot of stuff that I talk about on my podcast is that sense that we're not good enough. You know, that sense that, you know, we have to live up to this, to this ideal of what a man is supposed to be. And look, it's, it's, it's good to have those goals and, and to be driven. Like, look, I'm as an athlete, you know, I always like to keep my body in shape. I still like to keep my body in shape. I still like to try to get those six packs at back pack abs, even though it's so freaking difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's good to have those things to shoot for, but you know, I think what a lot of us don't do is we don't think about why we're shooting for these things. Are we shooting for these things because we want to impress other people because we want other people to like us because we want to look better than, you know, our neighbors or keep up with the Joneses or whatever it is, or do we do it because we're, we're driven to do it because we want to be the best version of ourselves. We want to have good health. We want to, you know, be this person or whatever it is, you know, so much of it, I think, is driven by forces outside of ourselves, you know, of trying to impress and trying to do this and trying to do that. And, and like you said, how realistic is it that every man in the world is going to look like that, like that Calvin Klein model on the billboard with the, with the tall and lean and the perfect abs when, again, it's something that's good to shoot for. But at the same time, you have to tell yourself, like, not everybody's going to look like that. Everybody's built differently. Everybody has different body types and different metabolism and, and different this and, and, and different that. But I think when you, when you paint that picture of what a man is supposed to be, of what a man is supposed to, to look like, it hurts so many men because not all men are going are gonna to be that. And when they don't reach that, a lot of men don't have that, that, that self-awareness, like we talked about earlier, that strength to realize like, oh shit, uh, uh, you know, I am good enough just as I am. I don't have to look like this model on this billboard, you know, but you know, again, it goes back to cultivating that self-awareness and cultivating that strength within you. So you don't fall victim to that stuff that society says like, oh no, this is what it means to be a man. You know, when on the contrary, you can make up your own decision, like, or your own definition. You can be like, no, I'm a man and this is what I look like. And this is what I believe. And these are my thoughts and my opinions. And you know, I'm, I'm man enough just as I am. Yeah. I feel like there's so many people that they always perceive being a man as, you know, uh, having this specific body type and only acting this certain way and only having these certain careers and things like that. When sure, like you said, you can strive for all these things, but really everyone is different. And I personally believe at least that really being a man is just being true to yourself and really doing what you personally believe and what you want, you know, like not really listening to what everyone around you is trying to say, but really focusing, learning yourself and kind of going from there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the definition that I'm trying to kind of to instill into men is like, you don't have to live up to this expectation or, or that expectation or make this amount of money. Again, yes, it's good to have those goals. If you want to shoot to be a millionaire, by all means, shoot to be a millionaire, but don't tie in, don't wrap up your identity and your self-worth with those million dollars. Because that's something that I did with baseball. You know, I, I wanted to be a big leaguer. I wanted to be a Hall of Famer. I wanted to do all these things. But the mistake that I made was telling myself, I'm only going to consider myself successful. I'm only going to consider myself good enough if I reach these heights, if I reach these, these goals, if I accomplish all these things. That's the only way I'm going to consider myself good enough. And then, you know, what happened? I didn't, I didn't achieve those goals. I didn't, I didn't achieve those accomplishments. So when my baseball career came to an end, I felt like I was a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough because I had told myself deep down, I'm only going to be good enough if I achieve these things. So, so that's what I, you know, but it's tough, you know, it's a tough balance because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're just going to give up on yourself and you're just not going to have any goals or dreams or aspirations. And, and again, I say, no, that's not it. You know, it's just learning to detach or to not attach 
your self-worth to those goals and to those dreams. You know, telling yourself, you know, this 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 is this comes from stoicism, which I'm I've been reading a lot about. They have this this tenant. I always I always butcher the 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 pronunciation. It's something like uh, permeditatio malorum or something like that. I'm probably butchering it, but you can look it up. Um, well, they where they say, you know, think about all the things that could go wrong. And I know that sounds kind of pessimistic and I've always been an optimistic person, but it's not, it's not to do it. It's not to think like, oh, my life sucks. You know, the world is against me. Everything, uh, everything always goes wrong. You know, boohoo, you know, self-pity. No, it's just to like, to take me, for example, you know, I wanted to be this major leaguer. I wanted to be this hall of famer. If I were to practice that in my life, you know, or if I were to have practiced that in my life back then, I would have looked at that, those goals and be like, hey, these are my goals. But I also have to tell myself, the odds of me reaching those goals are very, 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 very slim. It's not that I'm not going to believe in myself, but it's just to let myself know, hey, there's a really good chance that you might not accomplish this. There's a really good chance that you might, in your eyes, fail. It's not going to stop me from, from working hard and continuing to believe, like, I don't care what the odds are. I believe I can make it. But just being a little bit more realistic and, and realizing like there's there's a chance that you might fail. And even if the odds were stacked uh, stacked against me and I was still good enough, I can get injured. You know, anything can happen along that route. You know, any, you know, I can get in the car accident, whatever it is, there's, there's, you can't control life. You know, life happens, you know, whether you want it to or whether, or whether or not, life is going to happen. So just having those goals and those aspirations and be driven to what it is that you want to accomplish. But at the same time, realizing like anything can go wrong you know and again it's not being pessimistic it's just just realizing like hey things can go wrong you know i'm not superman i'm not perfect you know things can go wrong and if things go wrong not to say that it's not going to hurt or that's not going to feel terrible but i think you're a little bit better prepared to handle that adversity adversity when you could admit to yourself hey this might happen so that's that's kind of the that's kind of what i'm trying to instill in men like still have those goals and those dreams but at the same time like whether you accomplish that or not you know, it doesn't, that doesn't justify whether you're good enough or not. You know, don't, don't hang your, don't hang your laurels on, on what you accomplish outside of yourself. Like you said, find that confidence within, because I think when you find that confidence within and you can show up to the world and anything that you do, confident that you're already good enough, whether you lose or whether you, or whether you're victorious, you can go to bed that, that night, put your head on your pillow and think to yourself, I'm good enough just as I am. Whether I won today, whether I lost, it doesn't matter. I'm good enough just as I am. So that's the definition that I'm kind of trying to instill in men of what it means to be a man. Yeah, I... <laughs> I agree like a hundred percent. And I think the fact that so many people kind of go against it and they say, if I don't reach these goals, I'm not a man. I feel like that's yeah. why there are so many men, especially in this generation that do suffer from depression and anxiety and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then when they also, oh, the whole other thing of having depression isn't manly, you know, like feeling upset isn't manly, then that causes their depression to get worse because then they're scared to tell other people because they're like, well, if I tell someone I'm depressed, they're going to think I'm unmanly when I already okay. think I'm unmanly, you know, and then it's just snowball effect that rolls and rolls and rolls exactly. and rolls and rolls, which only gets worse and worse and worse. And mm -hmm. uh, there's so many men, teens, old, like everyone that just suffers from depression, but it just never gets talked about because of uh, how much of like a taboo topic it really is, exactly. especially in men. Exactly. And one of the, man, one of the things that I found the most from doing this podcast, from doing this work, from joining some of the, some of the men's groups and men's communities that I've joined is yes, we're so afraid to admit it because it is something that's considered taboo. It's, it is something that's considered unmanly. You're at risk of being shamed, of being ridiculed, of being called all these terrible names that men are called when they're a little bit more intimate or a little bit more feminine. What I found is that when you finally muster up that courage to share that stuff and to open up about it, you realize I was just having a conversation with somebody uh, about this earlier. You realize that you're not alone. You know, so many men, you think, I think we believe that so many men don't suffer from it because we don't see it. We're like, oh no, like I can't open up, a, a, open up about this stuff because my friends, they, they just won't understand or, or these people won't understand because I never see them suffering with it. So I have to be the only one doing it. But then when you start to open up and when you start to be honest and vulnerable about this stuff, that gives other men the courage to be like, oh shit, yeah, that's... That's something that I've suffered with too. And you don't realize that until you finally, you know, you take that leap and you might have to be the first one. You might have to be that guinea pig that goes out and opens up and shares these things. But once you do, at least in my personal experience and probably in a lot of men's personal experience, I've found that there's so many other men out there that are willing to be honest with me and open up to me and say, hey, thank you for sharing this. Then there are men who are going to ridicule me and who are going to, who are going to shame me. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's scary as hell before you do it, even when you're doing it, even when you're doing it in the process of doing it but once once you finally take that leap of faith you realize like oh man there's so many other people out there who understand me who get who get what i'm going through right now
but it's one of those things where you have to just take that action. Yeah, that basically perfectly described the what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give a platform for mm-hmm. all these people to really talk about these things, you know, because yeah. uh, I know, for instance, I've always suffered with anxiety. That's something I've been I've really suffered from when I was much younger. And I was always actually like you just said, I was always afraid to tell my male and female friends about it because I was afraid of being judged about not being about mm-hmm. being judged as not manly and all kinds of things like that. So I basically never told anyone about it except for my one way I finally figured out when I told my parents. But other than that, like, you know, I do think it, it really is important for there to be more people to talk about this because then like the Me Too movement, you know, more people that came up about it, the more people that then brought uh, their issues that happened with them, right? So it kind of brings more awareness to all the things that have happened in general. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we just have to be more open about it. And and I, I do see the the tide shifting that way for sure. Like there's still a lot of work to be to be done. But yeah, I can see especially in some of the communities that I'm a part of, you can see a lot of men being a lot more open, a lot, a lot more willing to talk about these things because they see other men doing it. And it's just like anything in life, you know, things become popular and things become a fad because people see other people doing it. That's how fashion works. You know, fashion works because somebody had the courage to wear this ridiculous thing and it looks ridiculous in the moment. But then when more and more people start doing it, you're like, it's not ridiculous anymore. It's just, it's normal. It's it's the fashion, you know? And that's exactly how fashion works. And I think this can work in the same exact way. Where in the beginning, it's gonna be weird because it's something new because, you know, oh, men, men have never opened up about, about their feelings and emotions. You know, that's, that's awkward, that's weird. And it's gonna be awkward and weird for, for a while. But once more men start doing it, and once it kind of kind of becomes the norm, then it's not going to be weird anymore. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's just something men do. Like, what's eh, no big deal. Yeah, because right now, you know how like the there's a huge difference within the suicide rates between men and females. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons because yep, they have to contain all these different yep. emotions inside of them. So the second that it does become, you know, more of a uh, level playing ground where everyone is kind of sharing their emotions equally, and no mm-hmm. one really is feeling discriminated about what they're feeling. I genuinely believe that will go down a ton. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, what is it? I think like for every for every woman uh, that commits suicide, like four, I think that like, it's almost like four times as many men or something something like that. that. Three times, four times. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think more men are victims of suicide because, because they think something's wrong with them because they think something's wrong with them because they're feeling a certain way because they're sad or they're lonely or they're, they're depressed or they're fearful. They think something's wrong with them because we've been told all of our lives, look at, look at movies, look at TV, look at commercials. You know, you're as a man, you're supposed to be a tough guy. You don't get depressed. You don't get lonely. You always constantly have women throwing themselves at you, you know, and, and how many men do you know like that? Not very many. Most men are like you and I, where we have our own shit that we deal with. We have our fears, we have our struggles, you know, and, but there's a lot of men out there who go through the same thing, but they don't have somebody like you and me in their group who are willing to like be there for them and be like, Hey man, just open up to me. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to ridicule you. And those men, unfortunately, they think something's wrong with them. And I guess maybe they just get to a point where the pain is just so much and they think they're not worthy of living anymore because they're not man enough they're not good enough so they just end their lives they think the best way out is you know rather than deal with it is to just just end the pain once and for all and it's and it's very unfortunate very unfortunate it really is i think that's one of the biggest issues honestly about not being able to really share any of these things yeah i also had a question uh because you played baseball earlier right Mm -hmm. uh do you think your views on masculinity has changed since playing baseball yeah totally you know this is something that i've talked about a lot uh not not just growing up not just being an athlete all my life but also growing up uh, my family's Cuban. Uh, my parents were both born in Cuba. They came over at a young age, so they're both they were both immigrants. But uh, but you know, pretty much Americanized for the most part. But in that Latino community, especially, there's a lot of machismo. Uh, there's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of like you know, if you're a man, it's normal for a man to have a mistress or to to run around on his girlfriend or on his wife. You know, that's something that you see. You know, I didn't see it so much in in my family, but I definitely saw it in the community as a whole. Like it was almost a point of pride to like, you know, be messing around and be sleeping around, you know, not just not just for Latinos, for I think men in general, but but specifically for that for that community. So I had those those examples of what it means to be a man and then coupled with with baseball as well. And, and with baseball, it was more along the lines of not so much the misogyny and the, and the machismo as much, but more along the lines of you hide all your weaknesses. Uh, when when you're hurt, you never say you're hurt, you know, and especially if it's like a physical injury, you just you just man up and you suck it up and you put 
push through it. You know, you never you never admit that that you're that you're hurt, or that you're injured. So you know, it was just this both both of those arenas just kind of painted this picture of what it means to be a man for me. You know, you're not emotional, you don't cry, you don't talk about your feelings, you don't admit when you're hurt, you don't talk about your pain or your injuries, you just suck it up and you push through it. But I was really fortunate growing up that I had a really good relationship, still have a really good relationship with my mom. But growing up, we we were very close. We were very close. We had a really good bond. She was always a person that I would go to whenever I, I was in trouble or whenever I was scared or, or something was going on in my life. She was a person that I looked up to and I knew it was always going to be there. It was always going to have my back. So we had this really good bond. So because of that, I think I got a, a lot of my, my affectionate side from, uh, a lot of my sensitive side from a lot of my kind of better understanding of women, not saying that I understand women completely, but I was always, you know, growing up elementary, middle school, high school, I was always, I always had a core group of like female friends, you know, they weren't girlfriends, they were just girls that I was close with, and that were just really good friends of mine. And I think that can be attributed to the relationship that I had with my mom. So even though I had those two areas of my life, the Latino culture and my baseball, um, I still had that kind of side of my mom who was kind of balancing that side out. So I don't think I was ever super macho and super machismo, but there was definitely times where, where I kind of displayed some of those characteristics. But ever since then, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely changed, especially over the last three years where I've started to do a lot of, a lot of just work on myself, building my self-awareness, a lot of self-reflection, going deep and, and trying to rediscover my identity and who I was without baseball and see where some of these fears and some of these insecurities that I've dealt with for a really long time, see where they, where they come from. So now, once I've started to open up about that, once I've started to be more vulnerable, once I've joined some of these men's groups that I'm a part of, um, yeah, my, my definition has definitely changed, you know, just like how we were talking about, according to our society and our culture, and I'm sure Canada is, is very similar, like we see, we see some of these ideals of what it means to be a man, you know, you know, all this, this, this strong, tough guy with the six pack abs, all the stuff that we that we talked about now. And, and it's not to say that a real man or a true man can't be those things. Of course, like I, I like I said, I, I aim to have a good body, I aim to get six pack abs, even though it's freaking impossible it's so hard um i still aim to be those things that i'm an athlete and i'm strong and and I'm well built. So I still am those things. But what I'm trying to kind of get across is, look, you can still be those things. You can be still be the macho, tough guy, the provider, the protector, the defender. You can still be all these things, but you can also be the affectionate guy, the sensitive guy, the, talk to, the guy that talks about his feelings and, and his emotions, the guy that's there for his wife and for his kids and the stay-at-home dad and, and, and this thing. So, so yeah, my, I think my scope of masculinity and what it means to be a man was a lot more narrow, where I don't think I've given up completely on what it means to be a man, like that old school traditional man. I think it's just broadened my definition of what it means to be a man. Because again, you can be all those things. But I think the best men are the one that can go out onto the field and compete and put their body to the limit and, and you know, risk injury and do all these things and be the provider and the protector and you know, the defender and all these things, but then come home and be that affectionate guy who listens to his wife, who uh, hugs his kids, who kisses his kids goodnight, who reads his kids bedtime story or whatever. There's, I think for me, that's the man that I want to aim to be. So I still want to be tough and, and do all these things, you know, that that's typical of men, but I want to be able to come home and be that affectionate, loving person for my wife, for my family, for our little dog, you know, be all these things. I, I think that's the best, the best examples of men are men who can be who can be both of those things, just not one side or the other. Yeah. Like you said, there's the other side of like the affectionist and the emotional and, you know, the more sensitive mm -hmm. one. So I've always been more on that side. And because of that, you know, obviously growing up my entire life, I've always been called think like gay and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Which there's nothing wrong with being gay. No, right? no, no. <laughs> Obviously there's nothing wrong, but it's just when you're not, you know, keep being kept calling things, especially mm -hmm. at such a young age, you know, it starts to build up and up and up. So it's always been like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I am because everyone keeps telling me that, but I know I'm not yeah. because I know I'm attracted to women yeah. you know so it keeps so I, there's also that whole thing where there has to be like a normalization of like you said men can be the so, masculine not masculine but like the tough the uh the macho all that but they can also be the emotional the sensitive exactly. and they can be a mixture of both there's exactly just because you're one doesn't mean automatically oh you're gay or oh you're not a man or you're you know like all these different things it's just i find that's another really big issue that many people uh suffer from especially yeah. myself not only because that but also being in the drama you know being in drama is another mm -hmm. thing you know all of these uh, different things kept going on and on and on and yeah 
it's just look man that's that's another big issue that i was just talking about earlier too is you know this whole notion that that gay men aren't good enough or, or yeah. aren't as good you know as as heterosexual men and it's such it's such bullshit man it's such bullshit because you know i'd even argue that you know gay men or not even gay men men like you that are in drama that are in theater that are a little bit more affectionate that are a little bit more sensitive i'd, I'd argue that men like that are more courageous because they see all around them this is what it means to be a man you're a tough guy you're not you don't go to drama class you don't go to theater you're not sensitive you're not affectionate you tell women what to do you know all around you you're seeing that stuff but still you have the courage to be like man i don't care what you say i like drama i like theater i'm an affectionate guy i'm a sensitive guy and that's who i am i'm not gonna have to i'm not gonna pretend to be this tough guy because you think I should be the tough guy. I'm going to continue to be the person that I am. And, you know, one of the definitions of being a macho masculine man is being courageous, you know, and if that's really one of the, one of the definitions of being a man is being courageous and being brave, man, I would argue that that gay men are some of the most courageous men among us because it takes a ton of courage even though we're in 2020 and times have definitely changed, but still in some parts of the, of the country, some parts of the world, it's still not okay to be gay, especially as a man, maybe a little bit more so as a woman, but as a gay man in some parts of, of the US in the middle of the country, you might as well be dead. You know, you might as well be dead. So to be a gay man and to come out of the closet and to, and to really truly be who you are, that takes more courage than, than many of the things that these brave and courageous, macho, manly, masculine, heterosexual men do. Not to say that they're not courageous, but man coming out of the closet like that and 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 really owning who you are that takes a lot of fucking courage sorry for sure the F-bomb. Oh, no. <laughs> nah, everything's fine here okay okay yeah. <laughs> i feel really strongly about that man so you know no kudos, for sure kudos to all the gay men out there who have, have taken the time to really come out and really be themselves man i i honor you and i respect you hundred percent. I feel there's also the whole aspect of almost like gay women are almost fetishized in a way, right? Whereas gay men, yeah, a lot exactly. of times they're seen as mm-hmm. even like, quote unquote, like gross or, you know, things like yep. that, which that's mm-hmm. a huge, that's a huge problem, you know, with the yeah. fact that there being so many gay men, it, it's not something that's gross. It's something that's just as normal as being a straight yeah. man, you know, like exactly. almost there is no real normal, you know, like a normal is whatever works for you. Exactly. And yeah, we just, it's time we just do away with that stuff. It's just, yeah. And look, I think a lot of that stuff, not to not to get too deep here, but like, I think a lot of that stuff is just based in religion and the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And it's just like, does the Bible also say love, love your neighbor or, or something like that? Like, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I just I wish it would all change. Like, what do you care? What do you care who somebody decides to love? Yeah. What do you care? You know, oh, they're going to go to hell. What do you care? They're going to go to hell. Not you. You know, what do you care? Like, leave them alone. Mind your own damn business. Be you. And let them be them. It just ah, this boggles my mind. Yeah, there's so many. I think it's partially that, partially also uh, society, you know, from like the 1900s, 1800s, when also then it was considered, you know, like how long it took for everything to be legalized. I think it's just a mixture mm-hmm. of everything all together. And yeah, people really should just, you know, realize yeah. like they to themselves, like you don't have to look at other people, you know, like there's just. I mean, I've also read too, I don't know how true this is, but I've read that, you know, back in like Roman times, like some of these macho manly warriors and gladiators had little male friends, you know, friends, you know, (laughs) and it's just like, it was, it was considered normal to like have homosexual relationships and homosexual sex. But, you know, some of these people that we admire be like, oh, these were the toughest of the toughest. They were, they were in these cages and they were battling each other to the death, you know, but at the the same time, they were having these like homosexual relationships. And I don't know, it's just that, that's not weird. It's just weird. (laughs) it's that like it's been so seen against it even though it's been something that's been also in the animal kingdom right everyone keeps saying that like how oh gay is normal because it's not quote unquote Mm -hmm. biological right but there are uh, penguins and lions and all kinds of different animals that do have homosexual relations yeah my dog like is always humping me like he never humps my wife I don't know what it is man every time I go down to do push-ups on the ground he comes over and starts humping my shoulder and my my tricep I'm like dude what's what's going on so we're convinced (laughs) that that our our dog might be uh, a little homosexual but I don't care. He's awesome. I, I love him. I love him either way. He's my little son. I don't what care. What kind of dog is it? He's a mini poodle terrier mix. Yeah, he's he's awesome, man. He's he's <laughs> like we got him, and he's like just such a un- unique, unique looking dog. Yeah, he's awesome, man. His name's Charlie. Yeah, we got him. We've had him for like four years now. We got him mm-hmm. at just an adoption place here in, in Los Angeles. My wife and I had been thinking about getting a dog for a while, but we knew it was a big responsibility. And my wife and I just like to be very spontaneous. We like to take little <laughs> weekend trips just at the drop of a hat, and we like to travel and we like to do all this stuff and we're like ah oh, if we get a dog that's a huge responsibility we might not be able to do some of the things that we really like doing and then we we went to go check out this dog ad- adoption place and i 
just I didn't think we were gonna get anything. I just I saw that they were having this uh, this uh, dog adoption event, and I just wanted to go play with some dogs. To be honest <laughs> with you, I just wanted to go play with some puppies, and I was like, hey babe, let's go check this out. So we went. The first dog we saw was Charlie. My wife grabbed him and would not let him go. She's like, she's like, babe, I want him. And honestly, man, I was skeptical at first because I was like, I mean, he was cute when he was a puppy, but he was a little timid and skittish and like he was just acting kind of weird. And I, I wanted a dog who can like run around, who we can take on hikes, who we can take to the park and has, is full of energy. So when we first got him, I was just like, I don't know, babe, that's the first dog we saw. Like there's so many other dogs. That's just, that's not, let's not make a, a rash decision here. But man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we made that decision because he's been perfect. He's been perfect. I also yeah. have a dog. Uh, mine's a half pug, half Jack Russell. Nice. <laughs> so he's like a really small, compact one. Uh, nice. But we got him like 11 years ago. So he's starting to get a bit of the older side. Yeah. So he's gone like a bit deaf in the ears and uh, a bit slower. But he's still just as friendly as he's always been. You know, I, like, I love that, man. Pugs are the best, man. I mean, just to, to tie that back into to masculinity and macho-ness, like, you know, some of these dudes that are super macho, yeah. super manly, but then you see them ad- around little dogs and like, they just melt. They just yeah. melt. They're like, oh, I'm like, why can't you just be like that all the time but you always have to put on this this front of toughness yeah i feel a lot of people feel the need to almost fake machoism just to prove yeah. that they are when of course there's no need to fake it if that's not who you are why fake it? you know and and look and i think that you know men listening to this who who agree with that might disagree with what i'm going to say but i think that stems from deep insecurities i think it stems from deep insecurities because if you're secure in who you really are like really secure in who you are you don't have to pretend to be anything you don't have to be pretend to be tough you don't have to pretend to be macho you're just like man i'm i'm secure in who i am and and who I am is good enough for me. And if other people is, if it's good enough for them, cool. If it's not, then whatever, you know, but it's good enough for me. And, you know, I think a lot of these men who have to constantly prove themselves is this deep insecurity of they're not enough. They're not man enough. So they have to continue to prove themselves. And look, I think a lot of the blame on that, you know, not all of it, you know, I think we still have control ultimately of our own lives, but a lot of that blame goes to to this societal norm of like, this is what it means to be a man. And when you constantly keep telling men like, oh, this is what it means. You have to do this. You have to buy this. You have to say this. You have to do this. You know, if you were constantly telling dudes and and painting this picture of what it means to be a man, and then men don't live up to that, they're going to think they're not good enough. So they have to go prove it some other way. Exactly. It's it's for sure a mixture of uh, insecurity and also like societal norms and like how the media portrays men and everything, you know, like it's a mixture of of all of them. Like if someone does feel insecure, but and then they see that in media and in every where that is how they're meant to be. Obviously, they don't want to feel insecure, so they're going to try to become whatever that is, right? Of course. So firstly, if a person is secure enough in themselves to really say, no, I'm a, I don't want to do that. It's amazing. It's a really yeah. strong personality trait, but sadly, not everyone's like that, right? Some people, exactly. they kind of need the feel to uh, be connected with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's where it's almost, we have to kind of change what the media and uh, societal norms say. And then- yeah. So they can realize that it's okay for them to be themselves and not to be always macho or not to be super, you know, yeah. like all these different things. Yeah. That's another thing that you pointed out. And I'm glad you did that, that point, that fact about connection and about being part of a group and about belonging. That's huge. That's huge because as human beings, we all want to belong. We all want to connect. It's like wired into us to be part of a group, to be part of, of a tribe. And I know that's a big part of it too, is men pretend to be this macho masculine man so they can fit in. So they don't stand out, you know, so because, you know, back in the day for us human beings to stand out mean we were kicked out of the tribe and if we're kicked out of the tribe, then we're going to starve and we're going to, you know, be in the cold and we're going to die, you know, so it all comes back to this fear of death. So that part, you know, that you said about belonging and connecting is, is huge because all of us want to feel that. And I think that's why we pretend sometimes that's why we put on this mask so we can fit into that, to that certain group. That will what uh, that we want to be a part of. But another big thing that I've noticed when I've started to kind of take off that mask and start to be a little bit more open and a little bit more vulnerable, even though it's funny because you think that by doing so you're going to stand out. You're going to stand out in a bad way. You're going to be like, oh, people are going to make fun of me. People are going to say I'm different. People are going to say I'm this, I'm that. But it isn't until you finally start to do it that you realize, like, again, how we talked about, I'm not alone. You know, when you start to really open up and own who you are and accept that guaranteed without a shadow of a doubt, you will find your community. You will find the people that you're meant to connect with. You're the, you will find the people that you're meant to belong to. You know, you will find it. It's scary as hell. It's, it's one of those things that you're not going to believe until you actually do it because, you know, 
your protective part of your brain, the part that wants to keep you alive, the part that wants to keep you safe is like, no, 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 no. Just fit in with this group right here. We're much safer with this group right here. Don't do anything to call attention to yourself. Don't call, don't do anything to be different or to be, to be ridiculed or be, to be shamed because our, our brain and our bodies want to protect us. But when we finally say, you know what, screw you brain, I'm going to be me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to be the person that I want to be. Once you start to do that, you're going to attract those other people from around the world or from around your community that are doing that same exact thing. You know, those people that are finally breaking free and be like, you know what, this isn't me. I'm going to start to be myself, you know, and then, you know, with the advent of social media and all this stuff, you can find people like that so much easier. You know, it's not like you're living in the, in the middle of the United States where you can't be gay because you're going to be ridiculed and you're going to be shamed and everybody's going to, going to look at you and, and think about you a certain way. But now, you can, you can share that with the world through social media and through all this stuff and you can find your community. You can find your people, but it's one of those things that you have to, you have to commit to. It's one of those things that you have to take action around to, to, to be able to feel the benefits. Because if you just, if you just sit there and you cower and you worry about the fears the fears are going to get the best of you and you're never going to do it. But once you finally start to break out and start to be that person and really be authentic and vulnerable, trust me, you will find that's what's happened to me. You know, I've started to speak up and I thought the same thoughts myself. I was just like, Oh, people are going to shame me. People are going to ridicule me. My family's going to disown me. People are going to say that I've changed. None of that thing has happened. On the contrary, I've gotten more courage to really show up as myself. And then I've gathered this community kind of around me. So it, it will happen. You know, if, if you start to break out of that, it's scary, but it will happen. Yeah, I hope that as many people as possible, you know, really learn that, you know, like, yeah. that they realize that there is almost a community for everyone and that they will always have uh, friends that they'll be able to find. And it's best to be yourself and find new friends than rather fake who you are and stay with mm -hmm. friends that, you know, don't actually care about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you fake who you are, yes, you might. And, and look, I did this for a long time as well. You know, I, I, I felt like I was always kind of myself, but there was times where I kind of held back and I didn't really share my opinion and I didn't really stand up for myself because I was afraid of being ridiculed or shamed or somebody not, not liking me. And did this help me gain friends and get into certain groups? Yeah, for sure. Like it, it made me, like I like to refer to myself as a chameleon. Like it allowed me to change my colors, you know, based on the environment that I was a part of. So yeah, it really helped me get into these groups and make these friends. But the thing that it didn't help me with is really making deep connections because I was never really truly myself in any of these groups. I always kind of held back who I was because I was afraid that who I was wasn't good enough. So yeah, I might've had all these groups and all these friends that I was part of, but none of these groups and none of these people really truly knew me deep down because I never let that part of me be seen. I never let that part of me show so nobody really knew who I was so yes even though I had these groups and stuff that I was in nobody really knew me nobody really knew me because I was afraid to truly be myself because I was afraid if I was truly myself I wouldn't be part of that group anymore so yeah really really owning who you are and really learning to stand up for yourself and, and stand up for the things that you believe in it's it's scary it's scary because there probably is going to be some people that are going to ridicule you and shame you and say this and say that. But in my opinion, it's the only way to live your life. You know, you don't want to live your life pretending to be somebody that you're not and then get to the end of your life and be like, look back at your life and think, man, I, that, I, that wasn't even me. I, I didn't even live my life the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And I think that's the only lesson that like every man has to learn. I think it's just a lesson everyone, you know, has to learn. Like yeah. being true to yourself is the only way that you can really have, feel fulfilled, you know, like, that's it. like not even something just to be like as masculine as you can is to be your most self, but just honestly, for everyone to be your, yourself is the best way to as cliche as it sounds, it's really yeah. it. Yeah, no, I know it sounds very cliche, but it, look, man, but I, I mean, there's a, yeah, but there's a reason cliches become cliches is because there, there's a lot of truth behind them. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> yeah, man, of it's course, really absolutely. Um, so yeah, my podcast, Behind the Masculinity, um, you know, I talked about pretty much everything that we talk about in it on, on this episode already. But uh, yeah, that that started, like I said, because I started, you know, just just really diving deep in who I into who I really am. And when I started to do that, I started to find out certain things about myself and you know that led me to start sharing these things and, and instead of keeping them inside really getting them out and I started through through the blog post but I got to the point where the blog posts were just like all right I have so many things that I want to talk about and so many people that I want to have conversations with so I think a, a podcast would be better so you know the podcast kind of formed around that and kind of formed around my own fears and, and insecurities and struggles that I've that I've faced throughout my life and the aim overall aim and theme of the podcast is like you're trying to do with this is having it's having 
having those conversations with men about the things that have always been considered taboo, the things that we've always been told to suppress, the feelings, the emotions, the fears, insecurities, doubts, worries, not good enough, unworthiness, loneliness, sadness, depression, all that stuff that has we've always been taught like that's not manly so you can't you can't express it you can't talk about it you know there's so many podcasts out there that have men on that talk about their accomplishments and all the awesome things that they've done and that's great that's that's freaking awesome I, I love those podcasts but there's a lot of you know there's not a lot of podcasts out there that bring men on to talk about the things that we usually hide the things that we're usually ashamed of and that's the that's the aim and the goal with my podcast is to have conversations with men and open up about these things and be vulnerable about these things in the hopes that it'll inspire other men around the world to start to have these same conversations, to start to talk about these things with their groups or with their fellow men or, or with whoever, you know, just start to get the, this stuff that we have within that we bottled up for so long, start to get that stuff out. Because we more, the more we bottle that stuff up and the more we suppress that stuff, the worse it's going to be. You know, I, I know that was the case for me. I, I bottled up these things and I hid these things for so long. They would come out eventually. And usually the way they came out was through anger. You know, something would trigger me and I'd yell and I'd scream and I'd punch a hole in the wall and I just, I just lose my temper. And for me, I thought it was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm angry because somebody triggered me or somebody set me off. But the more I did this work, the more I realized, no, oh, I wasn't angry because somebody ticked me off. I exploded in this fit of rage because there was so much, so many more emotions pent up that I just used this person's trigger uh, as an excuse to let the stuff out instead of starting to let the stuff out as it comes up, you know, starting to let out some of this fear, some of this sadness, some of this insecurity and this loneliness when it comes to the surface, instead of suppressing it and bottling up because no, I'm a man. I can't talk about these things. I can't let people see me cry or see that I'm sad. Now, any opportunity that I get to cry, I cry. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. You know, I don't mind it because I'd rather let that stuff come up authentically than to suppress that stuff. And then it's going to come out eventually. Usually it's an anger. But the thing is, what a lot of us men don't realize is that we think we're angry, but we're not really angry. You know, we're not really angry. There's something else beneath that anger that causes us to explode in such a way, something that we need to take a look at a little bit deeper. Because if we've done the work, if we've done the work to really go deep within ourselves and, and really build that self-awareness and really start to figure out who we are and, and what are where our fears lie and where our insecurities lie, those fits of rage are going to be fewer and, and further between. I, I've experienced that myself. You know, I used to get just triggered by things that my wife would say and it wasn't anything that she was saying to put me down it was just something that she would say that would piss me off and I'd lose I'd lose my temper and looking back I'm like why was I losing my temper I was losing my temper because there was so much fear and so much insecurity beneath that anger that when she would say something that would kind of poke that wound of fear and it wasn't something it wasn't like she was trying to poke that that wound on purpose mm -hmm. but that wound was there so something she would say would just poke that wound of fear that was filled with fear and insecurity and unworthiness and instead of talking about that fear and that insecurity and that unworthiness that's not that's that's not manly. What's manly? What's a manly reaction? Oh, I'm just going to be angry and I'm going to yell and I'm going to scream and I'm going to punch things. So, so the aim with the podcast is just to create a space where men can come on and talk about these things instead of suppressing them again in the hopes that other men can do the same in their lives. And I think if we can get to a place where it's okay for men to open up about these things, I think we'll see a lot, a lot less anger, a lot less violence for men, a lot less, probably a lot less uh, suicide from men because it's going to be okay for us to talk about these things instead of thinking we're abnormal or we're, we or we're weird or we're freaks or something like that. And there you go. That was our conversation. There were some really interesting points he gave and I have to say really kudos to him for honestly just taking the time of his day it really means a lot to me. Don't forget to follow me on at for the boys underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you ever need to talk with someone, just DM me. I'm always here for you. It's also the best way to keep up with the show and to really see what I'm doing. And behind the scene content would mean a lot if you would give us a review on wherever you're listening to and follow us on wherever you're listening to. It really makes my day. Thank you so much for listening to the whole thing. And I'll see you next week back here at For the Boys. This is Aiden. <laughs>